those in this room, those online, really, really thankful that you're here. Uh, first things first, um, a special word of thanks to Nathan for the last three weeks and the word that he brought. He and Molly and the kids are away for a week of vacation with Nathan's folks. Just had to say thank you. The pictures that we're seeing on the new telescope, the immensity of our, of our universe, to think that that light has chosen to indwell the human being, that is nothing short of spectacular. That's just incredible. And, and that he would want to dwell yeah. in us through faith. My, that's just great. So a special word of thanks to Nathan. And Eddie, man, you brought it spot on today. You took us right straight to the meaning of the bread and the cup. And that was so, so helpful. Thank you. Okay, I started thinking about our timeline. Uh, in a couple of weeks, school starts. And then in about four weeks, summer has its last fling with Labor Day weekend. So in five or six weeks, the whole semester, you know, we're kind of a semester-oriented culture. I know a lot of people go January to January, but really, in America, especially with families, it, it kind of starts in September and and we go through December, and then we catch our breath through Christmas, <laughs> sort of. And then it starts back up with January, and we blow and go hard until, you know, the beginning of summer. So I was thinking, we've, we've, got, we've got about a month and a half here before things really start going crazy again, and the, and the routine really hits us. I thought maybe this would be a good time for us to kind of concentrate on shoring up some of those areas in our life that are, that are a little out of whack. Specifically, we might start the process of becoming unstuck in specific ways. Have you got any parts of your life that are sort of stuck in a rut? And you try to get out of it, but you're, you're still just kind of, you know, what, you know what a rut is? It's a grave with the ends knocked out. There are some areas in our life that we're just kind of stuck in that. And in spite of our best efforts, we still can't seem to really get much momentum and, and getting out. If you need a list, let's start a list. Here we go. You're stuck in a bad habit, stuck in a bad relationship, stuck in negativity, stuck in regret, stuck in a grudge, stuck in eating not-so-healthy foods, stuck in little-to-no exercise, Stuck in angry outbursts, stuck in complaining, stuck in some filthy language, stuck in unforgiveness, stuck in wasting time, stuck in neglecting your family, stuck in neglecting your Bible reading, stuck in selfishness, stuck in gossip, stuck in not enough rest, or the opposite, stuck in too much rest, stuck in too much hoarding, and not enough sharing? What parts of your life are you stuck? Is it too much isolation, or is it too much people time, and you really need to have more alone time? Is it stuck in your job? Is it stuck in video games? Is it stuck in secret sin? Where are you stuck? Did you know that that is not supposed to be a part of your identity in Christ? course you know that 
You're not called to a stuck life. You're, you're called to a free life. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 from the message paraphrase. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. In Christ Jesus, you are you are literally no longer stuck. The Spirit of Christ that lives in you has set us free, set you free. So if Christ has set us free, how come I'm still stuck? <laughs> how come we still live stuck lives? Well, that's what these next weeks we're going to talk about. We're going to look specifically at God's written word and find ways, steps, directions, suggestions, helpful hints, <laughs> just kind of find our way to freedom. Freedom specifically from discontentment, freedom from unbrokenness. You realize we're supposed to live a broken life. Do you know that's counter to our culture? Freedom from old habits, freedom from earthly fixations, freedom from unfaithfulness. I'm finding out that more and more in life, boils down to unbelief more than anything else if we really believe that that'll be the last week and then this morning we're going to start with finding freedom from how we're stuck in the past look at the word of god on this look at this one this is isaiah the ancient prophet chapter 43 verse 18 the lord says forget what happened before and do not think about the past. Look at the new thing I'm going to do. It's already happened. Don't you see it? Now, I realize this is a prophet writing to a specific group of people during a specific time for a specific reason. What in the world would Isaiah, speaking to the children of Israel back in probably the 8th century B.C., how in the world does this have any relevance for us today? Well, that's the crazy thing about this is the sins of mankind, y'all, they haven't changed. They were in captivity, and they were, they were in something that had them stuck. And they were having a hard time breaking loose. So, I, so God was speaking through Isaiah the prophet and said, okay, let's start with number one. You guys are moaning and bemoaning all of this stuff that's got you where you are. We need to leave that behind. We need to leave why you're in the situation you're in behind. You already know it. It's because you rejected me. But I'm doing something new. The last part of verse 19 says that he talks about bringing streams into the desert. So something is happening in, into the desert. By the way, the rain. Oh, the rain. Thank you, God, for the rain. That same kind of thing is he wanting to do inside of you. Bring moisture to something that's dried up and pruning. <laughs> Let's get something go life going in there again. The overall mental shift God is calling us to is away from what we've done. And now it's a focus toward what God has done, what God is doing. If I'm preoccupied with my past, 
whether it's good in my past or whether it's bad in my past. If I'm preoccupied with my past, I can miss what God is doing in my present. God says, quit dwelling on your past accomplishments. Stop going back with your past failures. And notice what I am already doing. This is so important for us to let go of the focus here and turn the focus there. God says, notice what I'm already doing. We are to learn from our past, but we are not to live in it. Why? Because it takes our focus off of God and his kingdom and it puts it onto ourselves. And you all, that is exactly playing into the enemy's handbook. Peter actually walked on water. He put his eyes on Jesus. He noticed something impossible that God in the flesh was doing. He asked the Lord if he could join him. And the Lord said, come on. And Peter walked on water. He took his eyes off of everything else around him and joined Jesus in doing something that was physically impossible. Without a constant gaze on, gaze on Christ, we will stay stuck. And one of the biggest hindrances to keeping our focus on Jesus is giving our past too much attention. Look what Rick Warren said. We try to pay for our guilt unconsciously through illness, depression, setting ourselves up for failure and other forms of self-punishment. But the problem with beating yourself up is that your conscience never knows when to stop. Some people spend their entire lives in self-condemnation. You talk about a, a, a weight or a trap or an entanglement. That kind of clinging to the past will suck all of the joy out of life, will remove power for the present, and it will even steal hope for the future. All because the past would not be put down, laid aside, moved on from. And all of us have regret, regrets from our past, but those regrets were never meant to be carried throughout life. A writer named Barry Cooper explains, look at this on the screens. Godly regret is a chrysalis. It enables us to leave behind the wriggling larva of sin, grow the bright wings of repentance, and so fly upwards toward our salvation. It's not meant to be carried with us, but discarded once its purpose has been met. There is a purpose in the regret. Look what he goes on to say. The difference between godly regret and worldly regret is partly one of duration. If your regret keeps you on your knees longer than the time it takes to repent, there's something amiss. Good regret pays a fleeting visit. Bad regret, like the thoughtless party guest at 3 a.m., outstays its welcome. Good regret is a doorway. Bad regret is a destination. Good regret makes us more preoccupied with Jesus. Bad regret makes us more preoccupied with self. Good regret drives us to repentance. 
Bad regret drives us to distraction. Not many butterflies achieve escape velocity if they insist on carrying their previous home with them. You got, we've got some cocoons. We need to say, be gone, Obi-Wan. Get out of here. We need to leave it. Do you know that you have sins that you've committed, that you've asked for forgiveness for? It was already forgiven at the cross, and you keep bringing it up. And do you know your father is actually thinking, I have used great mental capacity to separate your sins as far as the east is from the west. And what you are talking about right now, I have chosen long ago to never again remember. So what's up? Where are you going with this? You're not meant to carry it. Your enemy loves to remind you of your past, both your past accolades and your past mess-ups. He loves to try to puff up our past glories to be something that we just, you know what I did one time? You know, sometimes when you first meet somebody and they come up and they start living in their past glories and you have this feeling of, Oh, man, I thought a friendship was, stood a chance there for a second. <laughs> but now I realize all they do is live in... Oh, bless them. He, the devil, the enemy, he's wanting to do everything he can to remind you of your past glories, or he's going to try to tear you down with your past mistakes. And in contrast, God's Word has another aim for your past regrets. Look at this screen. Focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling. So this morning, we start the process. We start the process of finding a specific area in which we are stuck. So today, there are some specific, specific things that we need to let go of resentments worries failures hurts guilt anger revenge disappointments Hurtful words, hateful actions, everything we've done wrong, and everything that's been done wrong against us. Let's just let it go. Specifically, let it go to God. Because you were not created to handle it. It was created to take you someplace else. The wrongs done to you and the wrongs you've done serve a purpose, but hanging on to them isn't one of them. A professional violinist announced that he would play a concert on a $1 million Stradivarius. Tickets were sold and the hall that night was filled and the musician began to play. The music was ethereal. I mean, he made the violin dance. The birds were singing and 
children were laughing that the emotions took you from the highest highs to the lowest lows just in that instrument and the crowd erupted did you ever hear such music oh what a priceless violin well after the thunderous applause died down the the violinist did something absolutely shocking unheard of he was bowing as people were applauding and the applause came down and he had the bow in one hand and he had the violin in the other and he y'all he did it he took it and he took that thing like a hammer and he smashed it against the chair broke it into pieces and the audience was aghast i mean just they just you're crazy you're mad what what are you thinking and without a word the violinist dropped that that he had broken to the floor and he reached behind his chair and opened up a case of the million dollar Stradivarius and he began to play and the people noticed that it wasn't any sweeter I, I mean it still just sounded beautiful from the $50 fiddle that he broke to the million dollar Stradivarius it was still and then it began to dawn it's not the violin it's the person who draws the bow and makes the music people we are lousy at making music with our pasts have you ever heard somebody say you know God made me go through that they just committed some awful horrendous sin <laughs> and then they come back saying you know I'm really really thankful that God led me into that. Well, let me tell you something. God did not lead you into that. You found your way well on your own. You did that by yourself. But what happened since then is nothing short of miraculous. He changed you. He used your mistakes, your failures, your missteps, your blowing it to do something terrific. God didn't want you going through that. He didn't want you to make those mistakes. No, he used them. And so you know what it's time to do? <laughs> Give it to him. Quit trying to carry it. Quit trying to make something out of it yourself. We are lousy at making music with our past. So let's let it go. In the name of Jesus. And let God create some beautiful music. Father, I don't know why we're so slow to get this, but I confess with my brothers and sisters, both in this room and online, that I remember sins that I have committed in the near past and going back weeks and months, going back years. Father, I go back years, decades, remembering things that I've done that were so foolish finding myself again, feeling the same shame and guilt. And I know that is not from you. From you, it's would you please forget that and move on. Whatever it takes, Father, make us move on from our past. We pray this in Jesus' name.